Today on Bearing Up, we discuss four beliefs of successful Christian men. Hey everyone, and welcome to Bearing Up. Um, I was looking at my, uh, I guess, the stats from um, listening to the podcast, and I found that uh, the majority of our our viewers are, or our listeners rather, are around my age and younger, and are male. Uh, and so, for that particular audience, that is, I guess, making up the majority of our audience uh, today, uh, we're discussing four beliefs of successful Christian men. Now, I, I say that, but I, I hope that uh, the qualities that we're talking about today can be, and certainly they can be expressed by any individual. Uh, you don't have to be a guy to have these uh, particular mindsets, these particular beliefs. Uh, in fact, I think that they are so important for uh, for everyone, uh, especially those who are Christians, um, but uh, these beliefs are particularly impactful uh, when they are uh, accompanied with a, a faithful, um, a faithful desire to be a man of God. Uh, and so, uh, let's just jump into these uh, four beliefs right off the bat. Uh, the first is that faith brings victory, not innate skill. Right. This is an important idea, you know, and sometimes we, you know, we dog ourselves because of our, our skills or our abilities or, you know, we, you know, have self-doubts and maybe we don't express those doubts and have trouble um, expressing that we, you know, we struggle with those things. But uh, we have to understand that faith, that, that belief, that attitude, um, all of those things culminating into faith, that brings victory, not innate skill. Bear Bryant, he was one of the greatest college football coaches of all time, perhaps the greatest. Uh, he had a coaching career of 323 wins to 85 losses. Uh, <laughs> that's that's an incredible amount, uh, a an incredible proportion uh, and difference between wins and losses. He won 14 SEC championships and six national championships. And one of the things that made him such an incredible coach was his ability to take whatever group of players that he had, uh, regardless of their makeup and their innate skill or whatever it was, he could take whatever group that was given to him and motivate them into winning football games. Uh, it was incredible what he could do. He once said the most important thing of all for any team is a winning attitude. The coaches must have it. The players must have it. The student body must have it. If you have dedicated players who believe in themselves, you don't need a lot of talent. And that's kind of an incredible thing to say by somebody who was so successful in the field that they were pursuing. You know, his, his goal was to build a football program and to for them to win. And so that's an incredible attitude to have. It doesn't take a lot of talent. It takes this attitude. And that actually translates well into Christianity because we, we don't often refer to it as attitude. Maybe we do in some context. But for us, it's faith. 
for us, having faith uh, helps us to be successful rather than just having innate skill or talent. Um, you may not feel that you have the abilities or the talent or, to, or the skills to play a huge role in the kingdom. But I guarantee you that God can use you to change the world. You know, the Bible takes people of very low stature and very low skill uh, and displays them as people that make made the biggest difference in the world. Um, you consider the disciples of Jesus. If you consider people like David and people like Gideon and people, you know, just continuing on through um, the Old and New Testaments, the people that God used uh, to make big changes and do great things. It wasn't because they had innate skill or talent, um, you know, and we can think about those disciples that that Jesus had, right? Most of them, uh, if if we can't say for certain that half of them, at least most of them were fishermen, right? They had a reputation of being, you know, poor, little education, nothing special about them. You know, you had Matthew who was a tax collector. He had a stigma of sort of being hated by everybody. Um, there was Simon the Zealot who had, you know, because he was a zealot, he had radical ideas about, you know, forcefully overthrowing Rome with violence. Uh, he had a deep hatred for Rome. You had Thomas who was skeptical and questioning. None of the disciples were Pharisees or learned teachers or anyone that particularly had great skills in relation to what they were called to do, right? Jesus said about the fishermen, right? I'm going to make you fishers of men. But, you know, the innate skill that were involved in or maybe not the innate, or but the learned skill of actually casting out a net has very little to do with talking to people and and you know persuading people to believe in Jesus. Um, you know, and yet these were the people that Jesus chose. None of them were spectacular or extraordinary in any sense, but Jesus used them to change the world and to begin the church. You may not think that you're an important part of the church, but it is going to be through faith, right? A faith that moves, a faith that inspires, a faith that gives us the zeal to put in the effort to work hard and to do our, our very best for the Lord. That's going to make a difference. It's not going to be because you're naturally talented. You know, some of the best speakers that I know, preachers, uh, did not start out that way. And are probably not very technically proficient at preaching uh, themselves. Uh, I say best speaker, but they're really not the best uh, preachers, but they are some of the best people in the kingdom that I know. Um, and so it's it's going to be based on our faith, not what we you know automatically have, our skill or our talent, our abilities, it's not going to be those things. It's going to be the faith that we have that's going to make the difference. Faith brings victory, not innate skill. Right? Bear Bryant also once said that if you believe in yourself and, and have dedication and pride and never quit, you'll be a winner. The price of victory is high, but so are the rewards. Right? We've got to put in the effort and I believe that it is it is faith that 
gives us the zeal to do. It gives us the mind to work, the attitude to put in our devotion into the work of God. And so it's going to be on the basis of faith rather than anything else. Um, And there's a huge payout for working for the kingdom. Souls are going to be encouraged. Souls will be saved. And you'll be investing yourself into your reward of heaven, not because you are just fantastic and amazing at, at so many different things, but because you had a desire to please God. It's because you had devotion towards God. We've got to remember that. Number two, a second belief that um, successful Christian men have is that fellowship, fellowship brings spiritual growth, not suppressive isolationism, right? Fellowship is, is one of the greatest things that God has given us in the church, not only because it can be an enjoyable experience to spend time with people of like faith, but because it gives opportunities for us to build each other up. It gives us opportunities to actually, you know, help mold one another and help bring each other to even greater fullness in Christ. The unity of fellowship offers opportunities to get personal with our brethren, to motivate, to edify each other so that we're equipped for spiritual warfare. We need that time with brethren, uh, specifically brothers in Christ. We, we need that. Um, for us to say that we don't need that is to reject the reality that you cannot do this on your own, right? You, it, and maybe there are times when you feel like you're alone and you have to encourage yourself. And certainly there were individuals in Scripture that had to do that. And maybe you will have times where you have to do that. But it's so important that we engage in fellowship. Because fellowship induces a mutual upbuilding. It doesn't just help you, right? And sometimes that, that might be the thing, right? I don't need fellowship because I don't need to be, you know, I don't need to have a, you know, a prayer meeting with brothers in Christ. I don't need to, you know, tell people about what's going on with me uh, because I don't need that. But, you know, your brothers in Christ do, <laughs> right? And and actually, if, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we need encouragement. We, we all need encouragement. Um, we all need to be lifted up. We all need to be, you know, corrected sometimes. And sometimes we, we need to be, um, we need to be admonished. Uh, I was listening to a a preacher this week and he said that if, if somebody finds salmonella in my fridge, am I going to be angry at them? You know, no, I'm going to thank them, uh, so that I can, you know, do the right thing in order to, to get that out of there. Right. And, And what he was talking about there was criticism, right? If, if, and he is saying that, you know, uh, if, if somebody finds a fault with you, it's kind of like finding salmonella in your fridge, right? You should thank them for that, you know. And, and so even criticism is, is something that we need. We need fellowship. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 just comes out and says, Do not forsake the assembly, as is the habit of some. Right, and the context of that, what surrounds that passage, is is an exhortation to stir up one another to love and good works. So, being together, being in the assembly, being with each other in fellowship, and engaging in the unity of fellowship, it gives us these opportunities to stir each other up. We encourage, we edify, we remind each other of the most important things in life. 
and we grow in faith, we press on in maturity, right? All of these things happen when we spend time with one another, and that's so important. Um, as Christians, we have a special bond together in Christ, but as men, we have a further bond because we're brothers in Christ, right? We share the same kind of important roles in the church and in the home. We're husbands and fathers. We're leaders. We're servants in, in similar ways with one another. And as men, we talk and we understand things in a similar way, right? It's great to have an outlet like, you know, my wife. I have an outlet and I can talk to her about a lot of things, but she's a woman, right? And while she can understand where I am in a lot of different ways, uh, it's it's different because she, she's not a man and that's i'm grateful and thankful she isn't but i'm thankful also for the brothers that i have in christ that share you know what it's like to be a husband you know what it's like to be a father um because it's different than being a mother and a wife um it's important to have those those bonds with with brothers in christ fellowship is so important because we have that upbuilding that takes place Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 17 is a favorite verse that's used to, to kind of point to the importance of this. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And that's what it's really all about. By receiving each other's insight and being involved in spiritual discussion and upbuilding, we sharpen each other and we continually become more thoroughly equipped for the battle. When I talk about fellowship, it's important that we do talk about spiritual things. It's not enough just to spend time with one another. That's great to build a relationship, to build a friendship. We really need that. We need to, you know, build those relationships. If you don't feel close to your brothers in Christ, you need to try to build that up. And because it's going to be really hard to, to share and to talk about things that are important to you to go through the seasons of life and the difficulties of life and share those things with brothers that you don't really know very well and that you don't spend a lot of time with. So those relationships need to be built up so that we're ready for those those times, those difficult seasons of life. Um, this cannot happen if we are emotionless, stoic, lone wolves who you know project to others that we have everything under control. Right? I think that that a lot of the times is the is the consensus among men, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm the king of my castle over here and everything in my castle is, is going just fine, you know, and we're proud. Men are very proud. Uh, and so we have this sort of oftentimes we don't let people know about what's going on in our lives, uh, especially other brothers in Christ, because we want to be seen as you know, I've got everything under control. And as much as we wish to say that we have everything under control, none of us actually do. <laughs> and that's something important to remember, you know. And, you know, I, I understand and, and know that there are older, wiser members in the church than me. Uh, there are elders. Uh, there are seasoned preachers. There are people that have been Christians longer than I have been alive. Um, but even them, you know, they're still growing. They're still growing. Uh, they don't have everything under control because nobody does. Nobody has everything under control. Um, and so we have to rely on uh, having a mutual upbuilding with one another so that we can be there for one another and grow. Uh, isolationism 
is, is not going to work in the kingdom of God. Um, you know, to say I need Christ but not the church, that doesn't work. Right? If we are sincere about Scripture and we're sincere about growing in Christ and being a successful Christian man, we have to understand that we need to uh, build each other up, that we have to have relationships in the church in which we are building one another up, that we have um, outlets and counselors, an abundance of counselors uh, that that help us along the way, uh, and also being those um you know, those counselors or those friends uh, that can help other brothers in Christ. These are the first two. We're going to take a quick break and go over the next uh, two uh, beliefs of successful Christian men. Guys, thank you so much for watching or listening today uh, to the Bearing Up podcast. We want to remind you to please like, subscribe, follow, comment on our social media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble to watch the show. We have an Instagram account uh, as well uh, where you can get updates about what's coming next uh, as well as maybe some reels and different things like that that we'll have. Um, you also can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And also, um, you can listen to the Ministry League Network um, podcasts that are on the Ministry League app. Um, I have been, over the past couple weeks, listening to several podcasts on there, uh, and I am very thankful to have the Ministry League app um, because I have been so encouraged by the things that I have listened to on there. And so download the Ministry League app um, to have access to lots of podcasts all in one place. Um, you can uh, find all, all kinds of resources uh, there on the Ministry League app. So download that app or check out their website, ministryleague.com, to learn more. Uh, thank you so much for watching or listening again. Let's jump back into our discussion. All right, so let's look at the third belief of successful Christian men. Number three, humility is strength, not pride. Uh, and this kind of is building off of the, the last one a little bit, uh, the idea of, you know, fellowship and being able to have communication versus, you know, being the, you know, the stoic lone wolf that is emotionless and thinks they have everything under control. Um, you know, we can assume that poor attitude um, comes from pride a lot of the time. Um, it boils down to this, you know, how, how can a person get stronger if he doesn't admit his weaknesses, right? Humility is strength, not pride. How can a person get stronger if he doesn't admit his weaknesses, whether it be to his God or whether it be to his brethren, how can a person become strong or be strong if you're hiding or holding in your weaknesses, if, if you're trying to deny them, right? Pride denies those things, denies the weakness, it buries it, it says, I'm good, I don't need any help, I don't need any worry, or I don't have anything to worry about, don't you, don't, you know... <laughs> Don't worry about me over here. I've got everything under control, right? If you're hiding weakness, that isn't strength. Being too proud to recognize your weakness is actually cowardice, right? We're afraid 
that we're going to say the wrong thing or that we're afraid to show that, you know, I'm not this big, strong, macho guy that has everything under control. Uh, I don't have everything under control <laughs> and, and neither do any of us. And we've got to remember that because holding everything in with pride or denying that, you know, you have areas of growth that you have is not going to make you stronger. Only when we believe strongly in the mindset of humility and submission can we be made strong, right? The Apostle Paul thought this and, and agreed to this idea and came to the belief of this idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, right? When he came to God three times asking to remove the, the thorn, the scripture says this, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for power power or strength is perfected in weakness most gladly therefore i will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of christ may dwell in me you know if you look in the letters to the corinthians there are a lot of things paul says about himself that i think very few men would would recognize about themselves let alone tell a group of people <laughs> you know like there's you know i have I, I'm weak and, you know, I came and with not much wisdom or stature or anything great like that, you know, I, you know, he, he talked in this way and was humble in that way and submissive to the people that he was around. Uh, so much so that people would say things like, well, his letters are all bold, but when he comes in person, he doesn't, he doesn't act like that because, you know, the way that Paul related with people was through submission and and service. Um, again, if we deny weakness because of our pride, rather um, than dealing with them, we cannot grow and we will not be strengthened by the Lord, right? God said his power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul's response was to boast in his weaknesses, right? to boast in the fact that he was weak in, in, some, in some things. And it's only in recognizing those things can we see, can we find the strength that comes from God. Now, we're talking about humility. Um, we also have to talk about servant leadership, right? Servant leadership is also built on humility. Um, it's not built upon pride. It's not, you know, I, I'm a leader and I'm in this position and I'm in this place and, and I have to keep up appearances and say that I'm great and, or not say that I'm great, but rather, you know, show that I have everything under control and, and, and all of that. But um, leadership is more about serving others than it is about telling people what to do, right? A leader leads, and I would say that leading has to do with showing or providing or helping others find the way not just to point and say well you do this and you do that you know or to you know look at me i'm a great example um you know it's it's about getting your hands dirty you know jesus humbled himself and washing the disciples feet in john chapter 13 and he wasn't denying his leadership when he did that, right? When he lowered himself beneath his disciples, he wasn't not even in that action. And while he was doing it, was he laying aside his leadership? 
Right? He was showing them specifically how to lead when he did that. He says, you know, you acknowledge me as, as your Lord and teacher. And and that's true, right? I am. I am, I am your teacher and I am your Lord. Um, and so by me doing this, I'm showing you what you're supposed to do to one another, right? To be serving, right? How can we serve if we don't have the mind of humility? If we don't have the mind of, you know, I'm going to count others more significant than myself. I'm going to count them at least as significant as myself. If we look at uh, Philippians chapter 2 in the mind of Christ, right? Paul nor Jesus uh, were what we think as weak men, yet they were humble, right? They were humble. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom would be the least that is in the kingdom. And so if we want success, if we want to be the greatest in the kingdom, we have to be the least. We have to be humble. Finally, the, the fourth belief of successful Christian men is that Jesus represents true masculinity, not the present culture, right? We, we need to remember that, uh, hold on to that. There's a great many books that talk about masculinity and what it means to be you know, a Christian man, uh, what it means to be a strong man, what, is, what does it mean to be a leader, and, and all of those things. You know, but, you know, I could pull out some more beliefs that come from Scripture that men should have about being a, a man and being a leader and being uh, you know, a successful Christian man. But it all points back to Jesus, right? Jesus represents what it truly means to be a man. Uh, and it's not going to be the culture, right? Each decade, even each century of world history has had their ideas about manliness and what it's supposed to be. You know, we, we know and have heard and, you know, many of us who weren't around at that time in the 1950s, you know, we still know at least what is displayed as the stereotypical, you know, middle class home of the 1950s. You got a working father and a subservient housewife. And and we have this idea of what that looked like and what the husband did and what the wife did and, and, and those sorts of things. We may even be well aware of, of husband and wife and, and men and women relations in the times of the Bible right and how women were treated and what men did and uh, you know the fact that you know wives were sometimes or most oftentimes considered as property um and and not allowed themselves to issue divorce decrees um to their husbands that only husbands could do that um you know maybe we we know about those things some people in our modern thinking and in our you know culture look at Paul as a chauvinist uh, but that's not who he was. Uh, and especially when you consider the culture that he was in to speak about the oneness in Christ in Galatians chapter three and verse 28, that there is no male or female, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, that is incredible. Of course, where does he get that idea? You know, did Paul just come up with this himself or was he led by the spirit of God to say the things that he did? Jesus also showed how women were supposed to be treated. But he also tells us about a man's prayer life, about his priorities, how he treats other people. 
Jesus teaches us to be men and how to do so with integrity and with strength. Jesus is our example not just to be a Christian, but to be a man, right? To be a Christian man. You know, just as Jesus instructs us to have an active and enduring faith, a longing for fellowship, and to have a humble heart, he shows us that the way of truth is to love the Lord and to love our neighbor. Right? Rather than you know look out for number one, I'm the king of my castle, Jesus, our king, suffered and bled and died as a sacrifice of love for the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, he was submissive like a lamb, right? What what man wants to say, you know, I'm I'm like a lamb, like a like a young sheep. Uh, what man wants to say that about themselves? And yet that's what Christ took on as a conquering king. Uh, that's the way that he did it. So much of what Jesus presents to us is so in our minds counterintuitive, but it's really the way to success. It's really the way to maturity. Of course, when I'm talking about success here, too, we're not talking about making a lot of money. That has never been what success truly is. There's a lot of people who die with a lot of money and are unhappy, and, and they don't go to heaven. Um, so what's successful about that? Uh, not very much at all. And yet our whole culture is, you know, in the United States is you know, making a lot of money is, is what makes you successful. That's, that's not what it is. Our culture has so much to say about what a man is and what he's supposed to be. But let's not believe a single word of it. Let's not believe anything. It doesn't matter, you know, who it's coming from. You know, from a political party, left or right. Uh, you know, whether it's coming from conservative ideas or whether it's coming from liberal ideas, whether it's coming from this decade, the last decade, decades gone by, we don't need to believe a single word of what culture teaches us about men. Not a word. We need only to look to Jesus. And if we do, if we really do, we will know exactly how to walk, exactly how to be real men, exactly how to, to fight the good fight. Right? We are commanded to, to fight the good fight of faith in the Lord. Right? We are commanded to be strong and to take courage. Those things are not culture things. Those are Bible things. But we're also told to, to love and be tenderhearted and, and to you know, be compassionate, empathetic, and you know, to, you know, to let your request be made known to God and and when you're sick and when you have sin you go to the elders and you you know you speak with one another and you bear one another's burdens and and there's so much about uh being a man that we find in scripture that is so different from from what the culture teaches right let us not even in the culture of of you know our churches because there is a church culture sometimes that is different from Bible teaching. Uh, and it's unfortunate when you have that. Um, church culture can be very manipulated by the people that are a part of a congregation and where they live and what surrounds them and the culture that is around them. Let our church culture instead be guided by the teachings and the love of Christ and even in our homes, our men, you know, and our ladies too, uh, we need to go off of what 
what Jesus was, what Jesus is, um, to know what it really means to be a, a Christian and to have a successful mind thinking about the things of the kingdom of heaven. So these are just four uh, beliefs of successful Christian men. And uh, of course, there's a lot more that we could say. Um, but I think that this is a good place for us to kind of camp out and uh, look on, on some of these things. And maybe you've heard them all before. But maybe there was said something today, something just a small nugget, maybe just a mustard seed of of uh, information that has motivated you today. And I hope that I hope that you have been motivated, uh, that you've been encouraged. And if you have, uh, again, I uh, would really appreciate a like or a subscribe or a comment or a follow. Um, I'm very excited about this work of bearing up, and I'm thankful that um, I get to do this. Um, and so with all that said, um, I hope that we have the desire, if you're a man of Christ, that, that you seek to um, be a man of Christ, following after him. Uh, if you are uh, a lady of Christ uh, who has listened to this too, I, I know that, that you can see how each one of these things applies to you too, right? None of these things are exclusive to Ben. Um, these things are important for, for every Christian. Um, you know, they are beliefs of successful Christian women too. Uh, and so, uh, I hope that we will, will take these things, think on them maybe. And, uh, I hope that they have encouraged you, uh, today, uh, to walk closer to Christ. Uh, bearing up has always been a, uh, podcast on encouragement, Christian encouragement. And so thank you so much for listening, uh, today. I hope that God blesses you today uh, and that he will be with you wherever you go.